Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of I'm Not Fine. Um, we're up to episode 11 today. Yes, I looked it up before. We're at episode <laughs> 11, and we have the most exciting episode coming for you today. Yes, um, we have the lovely Imogen with us today, and Imogen is from the phenomenal. Uh, Instagram account empowering. Yes, which we love. We follow. We read all her posts. Absolutely here for it, especially the carrot cake pictures. Yes, oh, from <laughs> the yeah. carrot cake. Um, we, but yeah, shall we just get Imogen to introduce yourself? Yeah. Yes. Hi, Imogen. Introduce yourself. Oh, okay. So first of all, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Hello. <laughs> I feel like I already I'm just friends with everyone here. So obviously, thank you for having me, Meg and Emma. But my name is Imogen. And yes, you can find me at Empowering. I just, I'm here to cheer you on, inspire, and let's like, I like to cultivate really healing environment. Yeah. Know, yeah. That's the vibe we get. Yeah. I think there's a huge emphasis on healing and not staying stuck in your disorder, which is obviously the main game. It's to get out of having an eating disorder and you really do promote that um I guess oh yeah off the bat um now that we have talked about your Instagram account why why did you start this account because it it was a while ago wasn't it when you started this account yeah so it's actually really um lovely that you asked this question <laughs> it's not something I actually reflected on very much and I was sitting in my lounge room this morning and I was I was just kind of thinking like well what, um, you know, what, what caused me to start this? Yeah. Where did it all begin? And I actually, funnily enough, it was four years ago. So it's been a, like, That's been a journey. Quite a time. Yeah. Been a journey. Yeah. <laughs> like, really empowering. She's, it's really, um, it's really evolved. But <laughs> four years ago, I was during, actually in my first ever hospital admission. And I was very... I just felt completely estranged yeah. and detached from my peers and the people that I had kind of grown up with. I felt like I was living this alternate reality. Yeah. And it's it's exceptionally isolating and alienating to be in that environment. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you're so young and you're watching all your friends that they're, they're sourcing their stress from, you know, exams and bustling schedules yeah. and and you just and socializing you're like sitting there. Yeah. yeah, like you're fre like fretting a meal plan increase and you just feel like you're having this complete, complete disconnect from reality. And I wanted to curate a space that, that I could empower myself just as much as empower other people. Yeah, um, really it definitely point. started empowering was just kind of a space where I, I, I wrote what I wanted to read. I, yeah, I, I, I like that. And I kind of just became the inspiration that I sought because and I think a lot of people can um, sort of, I think there's definitely some people that will remember that the recovery community hasn't always been what it is today. No. And there was a time when it was um, definitely in the beginnings, it was not even exactly a place that facilitated recovery very well. No, I think there was a lot of wasn't. online kind of diaries and there was a lot of, I think, places in in the interweb that kind of actually facilitated disordered cognitions yeah. and they actually potentially uh, worsened how you were uh, feeling you know yeah, um, yeah. And, I didn't want that either. and I was 
yeah, I was very cautious that I didn't just create some kind of place that some people could come and possibly be very triggered, you know? Yeah. I think, um, I don't know about you, but when I reflect on the Instagram recovery community a few years ago, it felt, felt a bit um, performative. And it was, sort was of a lot of, it was just a lot of like food diaries and look at what I can do that's a disordered behaviour and, yeah, look at all this stuff that I can do, but not so much, as you said, something that you needed to read when you're in that headspace. Yeah, I think it was very performative oh. in the way that, you know, you'd have your pint parties, you'd have your um, cliff bars yes. and you'd have this very um, straight down the line idea of recovering and being about food when it really is. Yes, and it was very um, competitive. I yeah. just remember there was a there was a definite period where it was normal practice almost to have the amount of times you've been hospitalised. Oh, my God, yes. IP. You know, yeah. Um, okay, a little so hospital emoji with a number next to it. Oh, my goodness. Lowest weight and highest weight. Let's record that. Oh, yes. yes. God, I don't remember that. Yeah, so I wanted to definitely uh, make sure I was moving away from that kind of toxic, yeah. competitive side of social media and I really wanted to to kind of address the sense of loneliness that I was feeling I wanted to in some ways not normalize the experience of um obviously uh you know potentially being hospitalized and everything like that because it's inherently something that you know it's not part of the normal um, no no it's very individual adolescent yeah yeah exactly but I wanted to remove the stigma and also create a sense of hope and um connection in community without it being kind of distorted and removed from yeah. reality but which is I think it wasn't a really it's a really hard balance to get there to have the community and the camaraderie in like a recovery focused space it's quite hard it's, yeah it, it's actually very it's very challenging because you you run the risk of normalising something that isn't normal. And I think yeah. I got stuck in that trap for a long time before I found the right place in the recovery community. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a difference between saying, you know, it's okay not to be okay and being, uh, yeah, potentially making something that shouldn't be struck. It's like, you know, we don't People, want to make something yeah. a kind of benchmark. Yeah. yeah. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be aspirational. No. It shouldn't look not the end game. No. And I think um no. your account goes does a great job of going against that. And I also appreciate your presence on TikTok where hospital is glorified. Oh my god. TikTok dances in your hospital room with it's, a nurse. It's yeah. a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. It, should but be it is a thing. a thing. It is a thing. It's it's incredibly toxic. Okay. Yeah, and the twisted thing about having an eating disorder and having that cognition present is yeah. that even someone who's experienced that reality and knows how awful it is finds themselves romanticizing it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I was fun- I had to like completely start my TikTok fresh, like hit I'm not interested in so many videos because I was finding myself going, oh, that kind of looks nice. Yeah. And then I was like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> and we know it's not nice, but no. you still see what people portray on the internet and you're like, oh, yeah, that actually doesn't look as bad as, like, I remember or as bad yeah. as I think it's going to be. And you have exactly. you have that eating disorder there waiting for that nostalgia to hit. So you're like, oh, that actually looks kind of okay. Let's do it. Rose-tinted glasses. Definitely. Yeah. 
it's yeah it, and it's yeah it's dangerous it's potentially it very dangerous and so I like to yeah make sure that we're staying away from that and yeah. so when you start romanticizing real life it can be just as glorious yes. yeah you know, like, that's what I really like trying. Start romanticizing the little things like going out for coffee. And oh, my God, yes. Taking your dog for a walk because they're really beautiful and I think your brain has the same capacity to find joy in something like that just yeah. as easy as it has that really twisted capacity to romanticize something that's not joyful at all. Definitely. And sort of finding joy in the opposite of what you experienced in hospitals, so finding connection, enjoying connection instead of being so alienated and alone absolutely and yeah it's if you use social media the right way it's it's profoundly powerful it's just absolutely yeah you just need to cultivate what you're looking for yeah 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 you want to feel like you're connected to those people and not in competition with them Yeah. yeah in on that same strain of you know finding balance and on instagram how have you found juggling your very popular Instagram account with recovery and work and you life, know, and life and soaking up dates and yeah, soaking the, up the little moments. How have you found things? Bless you guys are so lovely. I'm very passionate about advocacy. So I really, I do find a lot of joy and purpose in producing content that's educational and perhaps hope instilling and uplifting uh but I did I definitely had to find a balance between it become well I never wanted what I'm so passionate about to become something that I was obsessive about yeah felt like a chore you don't want it to feel like work you want to keep the magic behind it exactly and if it's forced it just doesn't sit the same with me you know I just I don't feel like it has the same passion and it doesn't have the same, doesn't end up having the same effect. Yeah. Um, so I think we, we talk a lot about setting healthy boundaries for ourselves. And I think that conjures a lot of images of like actual physical boundaries or boundaries in relationships in real life. But I think this boundaries that we set ourselves online are perhaps even more crucial at, at this point in time and how yeah. powerful technology is these days. Um, I had to set boundaries with myself just to preserve my own peace because I knew that if I can't be here for myself, if I can't preserve myself, there's no way that I can be there for anyone else and help preserve (laughs) other people's health. Um, So one of the boundaries that I do set is I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to be really present in my direct messages Mm -hmm. and I would make it, I made conscious effort to answer as many direct messages as I could a day and I found myself getting very emotionally attached to the people yeah. I was talking to and very involved in other people's recovery to the detriment of my own welfare. It yeah. is exhausting. And so I just, it's exhausting. And I think there's, there is a, some, something, like there's a such thing as caring too much. And Definitely. starting to affect, yeah, you know, it was starting to affect how I was able to take care of myself. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I don't put the pressure on myself to be in my, direct messages very often and, and I it's not a reflection of not caring for the people that are reaching yeah, out of course I not. care so deeply for them but if I was if I was to give every single person all my time and and 
and care. I don't think I'd have enough time to care for myself or produce any content. Yeah. yeah. That's honestly what I'm, yeah. Yeah, and it's not sustainable, especially, as you said, technology and social media has become so, so there all the time that you are, when you go on a walk, you've got your phone and that you are so contactable and it sort of doesn't give you a chance to have your own inner peace and to just sit back and not think about what other people need and look at what you need, um, which is really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you can get on your phone and be connected with people at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it was something. It's a different was, time. It, it is. Yeah. And I think there's also yeah. a different unless you do put those boundaries in place, there's a different expectation on contactability and people expect that a direct message will be answered within 24 with, hours yeah, <laughs> within a time frame, unless you actually consciously set those boundaries and it's not a precedent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I always like want to, I feel like I've, I almost need one of those, um, those direct, you know, like kind of email messages. <laughs> email someone and you get a direct response yeah. I need to be like I care for you so deeply but whether or not I get back to this I'm not like I'm not sure if I'll get around to answering this that should be a thing it should be a thing we should get onto Instagram yeah automatic DMs that should be a thing yeah definitely just lots of love hearts lots of yeah yeah um and I guess it's really important for you and to everyone out there who does follow you to know that you are doing your own thing and you have your own struggles and you are just one, like one incredible person, but you are just one person and you cannot be in charge of other people's recoveries to that extent. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just think I, I would sabotage my ability to actually help a lot of people if I was spending all my time helping individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I care for them so, so much and I wish I could, I honestly wish I could send anyone suffering with an eating disorder or any sort of anguish. Like I want to give you a hug and tell you it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, as, as people who suffer from eating disorders, we know how hard it is and how awful it is and you want every single person out there to be protected from it. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. supportive right you just want that yeah yeah absolutely it does get better too that's what you just want to tell people yes hold on and tell them that even when you're in the like not in the depths of your eating disorder but when you're in the really hard places of recovery that it does get better like recovery recovery. yeah (laughs) recovery does not feel the same the whole way through i think that's a really important message but yeah like you said you can't it's more effective if you put that message out there on your inst- on your public sphere rather than in an individual message to one person. Yeah. Yeah, well it has a it has a much further reach. Yeah. Know, and and I think it's it's uplifting and it's yeah, it's um preserving of my passion and my energy as well. So that's Oh, you know, that does mean something in the long run, I think. I think so too, yeah. And I think um, this whole, I don't know, not to get too tangential or um, <laughs> what am I trying to say? Not not to get too deep about it, but like the whole this whole Instagram and social media influencer status and being a mental health advocate, it's a really hard role to um, 
do and to maintain your own mental health because it's it's this new concept as you said like this is a new world and boundaries are still needing to be like created and put in place so it's 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 a hard one but you do it really well Oh, you're so lovely. Thank you so much. Um, all right. So what this one, this next question I felt really passionate about because I um I don't know, it's nice to hear other people's perspectives on this, yeah. I think. So what things have helped you in your recovery so far? Okay, so I'm I'm going to preface this by saying I'm exceptionally privileged and I know that not everyone is going to be fortunate enough to have the access to these things but things that really helped me um, and was so integral in my healing was having a multidisciplinary specialist team and it is so difficult to come by that and I my heart goes out to anyone who's in a position where they're not able to access that in my case it's been so so profoundly healing um to have a treatment team that is first of all haze aligned i really yeah so important i think that has absolutely changed yeah healing for a lot of people so just for yeah absolutely just for anyone out there who doesn't know what haze is what is haze Sorry. No, don't no, apologize. Right. I can't. I can't remember whether we actually have talked about haze before, but we got a directive early on from some from people from, your from my mom <laughs> saying, "Make sure you explain all the acronyms." So we have to do this all the time. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I know. Haze stands for health at every size. Yes. Yeah. So I'm massively passionate about this. Um, this this mode of treatment. So. Uh, it's basically a, oh, how would you explain it? It is a treatment approach that takes into consideration that health can occur at every size and that there is no uh, no weight or no no body type yeah. that lends itself to health. Yeah. yeah. Is, Doesn't no, prescribe uh, weight loss. Yeah. Yeah, there is no, nothing, no definite, this is a healthy body, this is an unhealthy body. Yeah. Everybody can be healthy at every size. And I think the thing that's been so pivotal for this for this part of my journey is having a for the first time I have a treatment team that hasn't given me a, you know, a a target weight that yeah. we then, you know, when we arrive at we start, you know, maintaining our weight. And I'm very glad we've moved away from that because I don't think that fixation on numbers is doing an eating disorder much like no, it's, it's no. it might even be lending itself to further disordered oh absolutely um, fixation yeah i think yeah. there's there's a huge difference between supporting someone in their recovery and then supporting some potentially harmful or fat phobic ideas of only being able to recover to a certain point yeah and saying that anything beyond that point is unhealthy or yeah. not to be a goal or to for treatment providers to say like Oh, don't worry. We won't make like we won't make you fat. That, yeah, that's the absolute worst. That is, that is absolutely, and that is so congruent with just fat phobic societal beliefs that yeah. are completely, completely discriminatory, and they don't take into consideration at all that everybody has a healthy weight that their body decides, their genetics decide is healthy for them. Yes. And 
there is no mathematical calculation that can determine you healthy or unhealthy not at all. No. Um, so it's, yeah. Sorry. No, I was just going to say that um, to anyone out there who has an eating disorder and may hear from the eating disorder right now that you can be healthy at a underweight yeah that's that's not what health at every size is about. small caveat yeah well, big caveat really big yeah <laughs> um because i know that once upon a time my eating disorder was like fuck yeah let's co-opt health at every size and just be yeah. like you mean healthy on the way you can't no i i definitely resonate with that deeply mm. an eating disorder will definitely take advantage of that acronym too absolutely um and I think it's really important to to know that someone can actually be the epitome of health and wellness and be very unwell. And yeah. I think, yeah, I, there was times when during throughout my illness where I was praised for how I looked and I was perhaps the sickest I've ever been. Yeah. My yeah. cognitions were completely over, overtaken by an eating disorder. And, you know, it just, there's, it's such a, such a nuanced conversation you know like yeah, definitely yeah and so when it comes to having that health at every size approach do you find that you're able to work with your team in an uh in a, not a better way but in a more like a closer way in terms of checking in with yourself about food choices and body image has it helped in that way yeah and it's really helped in I really um, appreciate the ability to let my body be in control, let my body decide what's healthy. You know, um, we might get to it. Like um, I remember at the start of treatment, we had a goal weight that was sort of like to preserve your health, you need to be here, around here. You know, it's a big idea. Um, And then if we go above that, then let's trust your body wanted to. And that's actually really amazing. And we'll celebrate that and we'll accept that. And I think that approach is really, really crucial for a lot of people. You know, it's like where your body is, your body is inherently, it's got, it's got a lot of inherent wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. Place a lot of faith in that sometimes. Yeah. Rather than, yeah, giving yourself a number that can just, you can just fix it on and just let it lend itself to more obsession. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not helpful. Not at all. I think, um, yeah, it's definitely important to have that, you know, baseline health. And then, yeah, if your body does what it needs to do and gets to a point where it's, it's happiest, you'll probably get to a point where you're at your happiest too. Definitely. Yeah. So that, yeah, it has been really helpful. Um, another thing that's really helped me, and I'm definitely not ashamed to talk about it is medication. Yeah. Medication every day. And it's pet played such a pivotal role in my in my healing. Um I I I'm not sure like I used to be really kind of embarrassed to say I take medication, you know, that but what if I was taking if I was injecting insulin every day because I was a type one diabetic. I wouldn't associate that act with any amount of shame. No, and no one would judge you for it. No, and I think it's actually really helpful to hear someone say, I take medication for my mental health and I am I am not ashamed of it at no. all. No, yeah. it's the same as physical health. Yeah, it's just another aspect of our health. And I think a lot of people are worried, you know, um, uh, you know, oh, an antidepressant might dull my sparkle. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like when you're when you're so depressed and you you don't have you know a lot of you don't have any kind of 
passion to exist. Yeah. You know, where is the spark? The yeah. depression dulls it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's something that really helps. Um, and another thing, I, I think this is probably perhaps what still keeps me going the most, and that is having a life. Yeah. Or something to strive for beyond your eating disorder. Yes. Yep. So that's something yeah, that we yeah. resonate with a lot. That's we talk we talk about it a lot on the podcast and on our Instagram. Um, but just in life as well, like we really like to focus on yeah, all the things that we can do in life, the connection we have, the dogs we can pat, like the coffee dates we can go on, things that give you that make your soul happy so happy and that have absolutely nothing to do with your body your weight yeah, your yeah. you know like um something for me that is really quite quite random but <laughs> i love fireworks fireworks are my favorite thing on the planet <laughs> i was not expecting that happy. i love that <laughs> no right like of all things like fireworks and so i used to um that used to be something that i used to write down all the time like i'm gonna recover for fireworks because it doesn't matter what size body you are, who you are, what your interests are, whatever you're doing, we all can see the same beautiful fireworks in the sky and yeah. they can elicit any amount of joy, no matter what you look like, no matter what you've eaten that day, the fireworks are amazing. And I think if you kind of... That's a great metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you apply that same kind of attitude towards a lot of things, you yeah. know, dogs are still really, really gorgeous and fun to play with no matter what body size you're in. Yeah. Yeah. They don't care your body size. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, it's just altering that perspective, you know, finding that that just joy and absolute pleasure in something that is so, so disconnected from your body yeah. is really helpful, I think. Do you find it helpful? Um, a, a friend of mine said this the other day about sort of realising that your friends and family will love you regardless of your body size did you do you find that sort of that implicit connection that you get in life really helpful oh absolutely and acknowledging actually how much better of a of a friend and a person yeah. and just yeah. you are when you're not suppressed yeah because how much more present really you can does, be it does it, it actually dulls your sparkle doesn't it like yeah you yeah. just become then vacant version of yourself and I think what it it, it, it saddens me sometimes I put my sister, myself in my sister's shoes and what it must be like for her to try and to encourage like when I was really unwell I used to bless like I used to seek a lot of reassurance from her and it must have got really frustrating yeah. <laughs> but I sometimes I think I'm actually so much more fun to be around when I'm well. And yeah. my family my family and friends aren't thinking I value her so much more when she's smaller. Yeah, They're no. probably thinking I value her so much more when she's able to accept herself and live unsuppressed. Yes. Yeah. And be, as Meg said, be in the moment and be able to connect with people on a level beyond like, what did you eat today? Yeah. What did you do for exercise? Yeah. Those you things. have interests beyond your eating disorders interests. Yeah. And you can relate to people more. And I think if you're more present, your family probably is less scared for you. Yeah, as well. Which yeah. then helps with the connection there. Yeah, and I think a lot of people um, have this fear. I know I can definitely resonate with it of, oh, but people won't like me if I'm not yeah. Yeah. who I was with my eating disorder. But I think 
if anything, you're more celebrate. Like you, you are, you're so cherished. You're cherished regardless, but your character is tra- cherished when you are yeah, yeah. who you who you actually are. You know, yeah. when you're not masked by this eating disorder. And I think it is a self perpetuating myth from an eating disorder that the eating disorder will say that you're not going to have any friends if you yeah. leave me. No one will want you if you leave me. So you stay with your eating disorder, and then you have very few connections because your eating disorder has taken them all away. It's it's a cycle that we don't realize until we're out of it. Yeah. No, no, you can't appreciate the isolating nature of an eating disorder fully until you can reflect on how how isolated you were. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so leaning on that idea of, you know, what has helped you in recovery so far, looking ahead, what are some goals for your recovered self? What 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 do you dream of doing? So, um, I, I know, I know it's not like what everyone dreams of, um, <laughs> but I definitely, I definitely one day, will just, I just really want my own kids. I really want a family. I, I would be so happy uh, being a stay-at-home mom, you know, like being on the PTA, um, <laughs> you know, like going to PTA meetings and like kidney pick up, like, oh my goodness, what a, <laughs> what a dream. Um, no, but I think a family is something that I, uh, that's an ultimate recovery goal of mine. Yeah, yes. absolutely. It's a great goal. And I know it's yeah, a goal and- that is actually quite common in yeah I think we have to be able to be our help you know we have to be able to take care of ourselves in yeah. order to be able to take care of people yeah love. yeah absolutely I think yeah. um yeah also um it doesn't it doesn't surprise me greatly that you want kids because you do have such a nurturing presence yeah I was life. gonna say yeah you really get the vibe that you're a very caring loving person you've got so much joy to give and like mm. nurture to give that you just want to take care of people <laughs> and has your <laughs> has your um recent job change helped like helped solidify this as a goal now that you're working in a more um child care friendly place yeah absolutely and I've always um I actually do a lot of babysitting yeah and especially this one little boy that I see really frequently I just I love spending time with kids because they have such this absolutely incredible incredible outlook towards life yeah I think you can have the most philosophical conversations with toddlers you know they just are yeah, they just see things for how they are and they're super, super accepting. It's just who in their nature. Yeah, and they're very um, um, just, very curious as well. It, oh, intensely. And it's just, it's so, you just really learn to appreciate so, so much simplicity and so much simple joy yeah. when you're around kids. I just think they bring out, yeah, the best in a lot, a lot of yeah. us. Yeah. What else? So you've got a very important goal. What other goals do you have? <laughs> um, so career-wise, so actually as a teenager and all of my childhood, I really wanted to be a doctor. And yeah, I what a mood. <laughs> yeah, because I've been there. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. So if I think if you had told my 16-year-old self, my 14-year-old self, literally my 10-year-old self that I was – not going to study medicine I would have like 
kicked you down <laughs> the nearest staircase. I've been like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I actually started studying uh, undergrad medicine and I was actually really lost because I got in there and I just, after a few, oh, it was a couple of months, I realized that it wasn't filling my soul like I thought it would. And yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't what I'd made it out to be in my head. Yeah. Um, and it took a lot of self-reflection and a lot of, a lot of thinking, you know, like, is this actually what I want? And I think, I, so having a family is something that is really important to me, like I just mentioned, and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to have the family life of my dreams and the career of my dreams yeah. the way I do, the way I imagined being a doctor at least. Yeah. I wasn't able to have both of those things. Um, and so I made the, I had this almost realization that I didn't have to be a doctor necessarily to care for people and to have that kind yeah. of uh, you know, healing presence in someone's yeah. life. So I definitely still, I'm not sure. At the moment I'm studying, I actually just swapped my degrees. So up until last Exciting. month, I was studying, yeah, I was studying a Bachelor of Nutrition and Dietetics, mm -hmm. uh, which I was loving. And I haven't, I haven't um, taken the prospect of becoming a dietitian off my, off yeah. my Still a possibility. Of my, of my babies. Right. But I just wasn't 100% certain that it was, I just, yeah, I wasn't 100% certain it was the pathway I was definitely going to take it. So I've actually transferred back to biomedicine just so that I could have some kind of, just the opportunity to perhaps explore other pathways. Yeah. If I, if I find a passion that I'm, you know, willing to explore so at the moment, I'm actually just thinking career-wise, I want to do something in the in the health industry. Yeah. But I'm kind of just letting myself be 20 and finding my passions. Which yes. is um, amazing. Yeah, it's actually really exciting about, and it's a recovery incentive in itself to, yeah. to have like this, you know, you could be really stressed about it. Like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Or you could be like super excited. Like all these opportunities exist. Yeah. yeah. Have and that, um, have that curiosity that a child would have about it. Yeah. And just allow yourself to find what you are really, really, what you really love to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I don't want to be, uh, a little, like a little bit, um, oh, what a typical 2021 like goal but not even goal but i do i do like the idea of still existing in the online space as years yeah that's fair enough yeah. you put a lot of work yeah. into it you yeah. know, just want to walk away from it yeah and it, it does make it does give me a lot of purpose and joy and it does it's a beautiful sense of connection that you get yeah so and it's i would love to see that grow too yeah i think those are um coming from someone who has very much gone from degree to degree, it is so empowering finding your degree and the one that you want to actually study for and the one that you want to connect with people over. And that doesn't have to happen at 18, 19, 20, 21. <laughs> I think it took me until about 23 or 24. And yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. And I also had that medical dream. And again, my 
14 to 18 year old self would be kicking someone down the stairs as well I'd probably join you um if they said that I wasn't going to do medicine (laughs) but yeah I think there's a huge thing to um there's a huge thing to say about um having that curiosity and taking a back seat and living I think when you've spent like so much of your adolescence like suppressing your dreams, suppressing yourself and making yourself smaller to listen to the eating disorder, it's really important to take back from the eating disorder what you lost. And part of that is, I think, finding joy in what you're studying or working towards how you're living, what you're doing. It's about doing it for you, not about doing it for anybody else. Yeah, and I think the eating disorder is really, really great at is isolating you from the world and detaching you from the world and so much so that when you re-enter it you kind of like I don't know what I want to be here yeah yeah you know and it takes a little bit of it gives you so much more freedom and choice and you're almost a bit like overwhelmed choice paralyzed (laughs) and like there's yeah the opportunities are endless absolutely that's it you're just like wow well I actually I don't know what I want to do but I want to try a lot of things yeah and I think that's a beautiful place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're just like excited by all this opportunity. Yeah. Speaking of things we're passionate about, we all three are very passionate about this. Most recent post. Yeah, your most recent post <laughs> um, about trigger warnings, which we found really pertinent. Yeah. Because the trigger warning and everything associated with it is running rampant through Instagram, TikTok, like just the social media world. Um, what motivated you to write the post and what was the message for anyone that hasn't seen it? What was the main message you wanted to get across? So the main message, so I wrote, I wrote a, tr- uh, a post and it, it was the picture on, because obviously Instagram is picture-based, so the yes. picture was just a trigger warning saying swipe, um, eating disorder graphic content on swipe. And then upon swiping, you find out that there isn't actually any graphic content, but that you swiped regardless of the trigger warning being yeah. there. And the fact that that alone is a testament to the to the fact that trigger warnings in the nature of uh, disordered eating tend to actually attract a disordered cognition rather yeah. than repel one's yeah. disordered cognition. So um, I think, you know, in the conventional, perhaps post-traumatic stress sense, a trigger warning is really useful in preventing people from being abruptly confronted with yeah, triggering yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's... That's a very important distinction, yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that is, that's really crucial when you're going to be uh, protecting yourself. And it, it is, it's really fantastic if the same premise applied to disordered eating. But if, unfortunately, an eating disorder cognition definitely takes advantage of that. And it actually removes one's ability to practice that harm reduction on, yeah. you know with oneself it really removes that and yeah. turns it into this opportunity to become triggered because ultimately being triggered it helps it it works in your eating disorder's favor yeah so your eating disorder wants to be triggered you know oh, it, yeah. it wants to see that content it wants to lure you back into its grasp and it wants to gain control and being triggered offers that opportunity um and so I wanted to speak about it because I think sometimes trigger warnings are 
are used so as to excuse someone from being yeah. very triggering. That's such a good point. That's what people think. If I've got a trigger warning up, then it's a free pass for whatever I want to post. Yeah, because it's it's for awareness, right? Yeah, right. It's in the name of awareness, and <laughs> you know, oh, it's just such a, it's such a complex topic because a lot of the time, too, the content that they are posting in the name of raising awareness is just reinstating a lot of stereotypical beliefs and actually not actually not lending itself to more awareness rather stereotype perpetuating and perhaps invalidating other people's experience and i feel Um, like the invalidation is coming through their attempt to validate their own illness so yeah that's what goes on yeah, like I'm not perfect, and that's the reason I wanted to like to post about it too. Because I learned from experience that there are there are times when you post something and your eating disorder is chuffed about it. You know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to deny having done that before. And your eating disorder and your ego is momentarily boosted. You know, yeah. uh, you feel like you actually do feel validated, but it comes at the cost of invalidating everyone who know, who sees that yeah. content. And it, it's not it's not helpful. That short-lived validation for your eating disorder is not worth invalidating everyone else. And, oh, like, especially like, trigger warnings on TikTok, I'm going to say that would be, at the moment, the worst. The, <laughs> yeah. Worst place. <laughs> yeah, in the eating disorder community. Um, yeah using a trigger warning doesn't excuse you from being triggering and it, it doesn't you know when you you're in, if you're gonna um, raise awareness I think it's important to still tell a story that hasn't been told and yeah, yeah we are well aware that eating disorders can maybe not all the time definitely not all the time they might lead to weight loss and ending in hospitalization yeah. but they certainly don't always and when you post a trigger warning and here's a emaciated picture of myself in a hospital setting, we're just telling a story that's already told and it's yeah. told so often actually that the whole idea of having an eating disorder centers around that very, very rare occurrence. Yeah. You know? And for those with eating disorders or who have experienced eating disorders, it's either triggering as hell or it's quite frankly pretty boring. Yeah. Or invalidating. Yeah, exactly. Or invalidating. Yeah, because there's so many things, isn't there? It's like, well, an eating disorder might speak out and go, well, I was never hospitalised and therefore my suffering is invalid. And until I get to that point, yeah. I actually have an illegitimate experience. Yeah, it's a direct challenge. Entirely false. Yeah, and it, and it also, I think it belittles anyone else's experience that were very, very unwell but still never got to that point, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That... It's just unnecessary and it, it definitely, it just, it feels like it's facilitating a, a competitive environment. Yeah. It's just almost like, okay, I, I deserve recovery because I got to this point. Yeah. It, that's so easily translated into another person's mind who will, therefore I don't deserve recovery. And yeah. And I think people um, like to fall back on the idea that it's the intention behind the post is that it's meant to raise awareness and so that it's not, um, you know, pro-Anna sort of style yeah, stuff. it's not malicious. It's not malicious, but it's still, it's it still is, promoting something. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's not it's not the intent, right? You can have the most wholesome intent Absolutely. in the world, but the, the impact at the end of the day is what matters. And yeah. being, invalidating, being invalidated is very impactful. It has a, a really, really negative effect on your ability to progress with healing. And that can come from someone being really well-meaning and doing something legitimately thinking it's going to raise awareness. Yeah. But yeah, it, 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 right. You can't change the, the impact that it has on someone, and no. that's what matters ultimately. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Thank you so Thank much you so for much. joining us today. <laughs> Thank you for answering all of our questions. Um, no, it's been yeah, honestly, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you through social media and then getting to know you a bit more in person now. Um, and whilst we are very much in lockdown at the moment, we are excited for when we can meet in person person. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm so, I am so excited. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day because I know that you can do a lot more in your day than we can yes, <laughs> right now. Leave the house. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know. I was actually going to say, yeah, my pillow, my friend, um, I was going to go out for like with my friends for dinner. I was like, oh, that could be really rubbing. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. Fine. Go and enjoy your freedom. Do it. <laughs> do it for us. Yes, do it for us. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So thank you. This has been great. Um, as always, if this episode has brought up anything for you, head to I'm not fine.podcast on Instagram and you'll find links to Butterfly, Lifeline, EBV and EBQ. Yeah.